Welcome back to Goal Line Stuff, the show where we talk about anything and everything football related. I'm Alex Kurchiev. And I'm Michael San Antonio. And boy, do we have a show for you today. So on last episode, we pretty much went over what we think is going to happen next season, team-wise at least. Uh, we looked at playoffs, and then we made our Super Bowl prediction. I'm not sure if I like mine still, but uh, that's something that we could talk about in a later episode, because for this episode, what we have planned is we have our award predictions for next year's regular season. And this is something that Alec, we've done for the last couple of years, at least together. Um, and we usually get these wrong. I mean, it's not something that's very easy to get right. So, I mean, I don't think either of us expect to get much accuracy on these, but we both made what we think is the most logical picks and we're going to be backing them up and explaining them to you. So I hope you enjoy that. Um, I don't know about logical, very logical. We are, you know, maybe yours won't be logical. Mine are going to be super logical. Mine are right. Mine are right. So, I mean, I think they are at least, and we're going to go, like I said, through every award. I think we're going to start with MVP this one's tough. Um, if you want, I could go first, Alex. So for me, this one's pretty easy. Um, he's won it the last two seasons. And no, <laughs> the face you made, I, I was just making a joke. That is not my MVP. I think the MVP next season will be Justin Herbert. And I, I think I said this in the last episode. I've been saying it all off season. I've been thinking it all off season. Justin Herbert is an incredible quarterback. The only thing really holding him back from potentially of winning it last season or getting the award last season was his defense. Um, The Chargers last season were the worst team to have the best or second best offense in the league since the greatest show on turf. And there's no way that they're going to be as bad as they were last season. I think they're going to be the best team in their division. And with that, Herbert's numbers just keep getting better and better. Better offense, better defense. I can't see a way that he's not at least top three in the MVP conversation. All right, look, we don't go over these these picks before we do these episodes, so we don't really coordinate here. So, you know, if I'm if I'm giving you my true opinion, I think Justin Herbert will be the MVP mm-hmm. for all the reasons you just stated. But for the purpose of entertainment, I will present my case for my number two candidate. Um, okay. <laughs> Which is going to be Lamar Jackson. Now, I'm not high on the Ravens. I don't think their passing game is good enough, but I think it's just good enough for Lamar to be able to win MVP because he doesn't have to be really lighting it up through the air where, you know, we know he's not the best. He's not bad. He I'd, I'd say he's a solid passer at the very least, but he's no, you know, Mahomes, Brady, Herbert. Um, but the thing is, this guy is a generational runner as a quarterback. So I think that through the ground where he's going to have to be doing a lot of work because he has, you know, me and you out there at receiver, um, he's going to have to be running a lot. And that with Mark Andrews as his number one target, he's going to be getting enough passing work. And I think that the Ravens should be a pretty good team. I think they're a playoff team, at least playoff caliber. So I think that he very well could MVP, could win MVP, but I'd still say Herbert's my pick. And one thing I'd like to say about your Lamar Jackson argument is that, you know, J.K. Dobbins is not healthy yet. I have him on my fantasy team. I like him a lot, but he's not fully healthy. Is he um, not playing week one? He might play week one, but they're, they're kind of unsure. He's very questionable right now. And 
him not playing week one means Mike Davis would be the RB1 for Baltimore, which means that Lamar is going to be probably running even more than he already does. So, like, if that's the case and Dobbins isn't fully healthy to, like, midseason, that pick could be really, really good. Lamar Jackson for MVP, I like that a lot. You know I like the Ravens. So, um, I definitely considered him, but Herbert, I think, is going to win it. I and, agree. Yeah, there's some other options, but I think – Lamar and Herbert are my two favorite for next season. So I like that we kind of both uh, went over those two because I think those are the two most likely ones. Um, and uh, both teams are looking up next year, I definitely think. So um, we had this talk last year. You thought Kyler was going to win MVP. And I said, Kyler's not going to do it because the Cardinals aren't going to win enough games. And Kyler did fall apart, but he looked like an MVP through like the first half of the season. And I think you know, I mean, he did kind of shut down. That was kind of his fault. But if the team won like 13 or 14 games, I think Kyler could have easily won MVP, even with his play regressing a little bit towards the end of the season. So that's just definitely something you have to think about when you think about MVP. Um, but I definitely like both of our picks. Uh, did you consider Josh Allen at all, Alex? Um, I, I don't think that he's going to be like – carrying the team as much as a traditional MVP is because MVP I feel like doesn't generally go to the best quarterback it goes to whoever had the best season at quarterback Mm -hmm. so I don't know maybe that's flawed logic but I I don't see Allen really in contention that's not flawed logic that's exactly how we're you know see we're being logical about this yeah but uh like our picks I think let's just move on to offensive player of the year I really hope that we don't have the same player here because I'm not seeing Back, I think we might. I think we might. <laughs> you go first. I went first last time. Um, no, 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 no. You go first so I can think a little bit. Okay, that's fine. That's fair enough. Uh, offensive player of the year. This is tough because Alex and I looked through this beforehand. It's pretty much half and half if it goes to a, you know, a running back, receiver, or, or you know, just an offensive player, although it doesn't usually go to tight ends, or if it just goes to a quarterback again. Uh, occasionally an MVP quarterback will also win offensive player of the year. So I would like to say that I think uh, Justin Herbert definitely could win this award, but I don't have him as my number one player. My number one player is Justin Jefferson. And the thing about Justin Jefferson is that I feel like he is the safest pick. I mean, I don't know if he's going to win it, but I think he has the highest chance at winning it. He has already a huge volume, huge target share, and he's getting Kevin O'Connell now, who was the Rams offensive coordinator who, you know, made Cooper Cup have such an amazing season. Justin Jefferson's already getting utilized in the slot all around. They're throwing to him in cr- like crazy in training camp. He's making crazy catches. It's realistic to say that Justin Jefferson may have an, you know, 1,800-yard season, maybe 2,000-yard season if he gets targeted enough. Um, really, the only thing stopping him from being like top five in this contention is injuries. And I don't think Justin Jefferson has a strong injury history. So I really like him as an offensive player of the year pick. And I'm just going to do the safe pick and take him. And by the look on your face, I think you may have been thinking it too, but I'll let you speak for yourself. That's why I let you go first. Because (laughs) now I have my selection that isn't named Justin Jefferson, because again, for all the reasons you just said, I agree that Justin Jefferson will be the offensive player of the year, but for the purposes of entertainment, I have another pick. And now this pick is outrageous. Okay. If I'm, if I'm making, if I'm a betting man, I'm probably going with Josh Allen here. 
it, you know, for not Justin Jefferson, because it's possible that it's two quarterbacks, I feel. But I think that if if I went on some kind of bender and I came back with my my uh, newfound pick for offensive player of the year, I have a gut feeling that Saquon Barkley is primed for a big comeback year. He's been injured the last couple of years and, you know, maybe he's looked a little slower. He's, he's been uh, iffy in pass blocking. So, you know, not a, not a lot of rave reviews. I feel like the last couple of years, but he seemed to be back in camp and he's on the last year of his deal. So I feel like they'll be running him into the ground because you don't pay running backs big money. It's just not the smart thing to do. So what you're going to do is you're going to use them a lot, their rookie contracts, and get rid of them after. And Barkley, we saw his rookie year. He won Offensive Rookie of the Year. The guy's crazy talented. He could take any yard, any uh, carry 70 yards to the house and is just as good of a pass catcher outside of, out of the backfield. And I think that we will see a little bit of a resurgence from the Giants' offense. I don't think they'll be you know, great by any means, but I think that Barkley will put up, you know, 1,000, 1,200 yards rushing, probably six, 700 yards re- receiving. And I feel like, you know, with enough touchdowns, he could definitely have a case to win this award. Yeah. Um, I like that pick a lot. I don't know if, if you thought that I would like that pick, but I don't think it's that crazy. Saquon is so I like the pick. What? <laughs> I don't know that I like the pick myself. Well, I mean, it, it is risky. It is a risky pick because injuries, just giants stinking. I mean, anything could happen, but he is so talented. I think he's ready for a bounce back. And Dable's been talking a lot about him at camp. Uh, they're using him as a receiver. They're using him and out of a lot of new looks. So I think it's very likely that he's going to have a true bounce back season. So I don't hate it. Not as good as Justin Jefferson, but I don't hate it. And you argued it pretty well. Um, now for, for defensive player of the year, I think it's my, – my pick is not the best. And it's not not the best because I don't think it's going to happen. I mean, I picked this player. It's because I think everyone else is going to hate it. But I don't really care. Uh, I'm about to argue this pick. Okay. My defensive player of the year is Nick Boza. Okay. And – for me, I mean, I think he's been super undervalued, at least in the eyes of NFL fans. Uh, his two healthy years, he was great in both of them. He led the league in tackles for loss in 2021, also had 15 and a half sacks. And I mean, this was, he played all 17 games. People talk about him, you know, maybe being injured, having injury issues, which I mean, he was only injured one season. Um, if he plays all 17 games, the sack numbers should go even more up than 15 and a half. I could see him getting close to 20, maybe even like, you know, mid twenties. I doubt it, but you never know. He's going to get a lot of sacks, going to get a lot of looks and rushes at the quarterback. And just as a difference maker, I think Nick Boza has the talent to take it to the next level. He's been, you know, a two-time Pro Bowl player already, defensive rookie of the year in 2019. But, you know, we haven't kind of seen him take it to like top three, defender in the league and I think he's going to do that next season um, I think he's going to have a similar type of effect at least you know uh, that Khalil Mack did sort of in 2016 I think he's going to be sort of as dominant as Khalil Mack was on the Raiders during that time and I know it's not like the popular pick I know it's like the fifth or sixth guy that most people think of to win this award but 
I think the Niners are going to be really good. And I think their defense is going to be good, especially. So I think he's going to be the leader of that and he will win defensive player of the year for his efforts. I mean, you say it's not really a popular pick, but this award to me is really boring and it's tough to like come up with some new original selection because it's to me, at least I feel like it's the same four or five guys in the conversation every year. You got your, your, Aaron Donald, Miles Garrett, TJ Watt, Nick Bosa, um, Parsons is now in the conversation after last year's performance. But Ramsey kind of in the conversation that we not for the last couple of years, I feel corn, it's hard for corners, but I, like continue. a corners won it maybe what once? A with couple the, times, but once recently, yeah, with Gilmore. Gil Gilmore. Oh, you're right. Yeah, yeah 2019. Anyway, yeah. But to me, like I said, it's boring. It's hard to come up with something new and interesting. So I'm going to be extra boring and go with the favorite of TJ Watt. Um, like I said, it's lame, but ultimately the guy's a candidate for 20 sacks every year. Mm-hmm. He's one of the premier pass rushers in the NFL where this is typically a pass rush dominant uh, award. The guys with the high sacks and the big impacts, the big flashy numbers are going to show up versus where a corner is more dominant by putting up less stats where they, he doesn't get thrown at. So generally pass rushers win this and I'm going with the best pass rusher. Obviously Aaron Donald is also a candidate, but I feel like they're going to get some voters fatigue with him. He's yeah. won it three times now, right? Three times, yeah. yeah. And I, you know, I think they also get bored of it. So yeah, that's my pick. It, it's lame, but it is what it is. It's not that lame. Got to go for accuracy a little bit. And when you think about, like, if TJ Watt were to win it next season, like, people are going to start comparing him a lot to JJ. Like, it's going to become a thing where it's like, how much better is JJ Watt than TJ Watt? Or are they pretty similar, like, all time? I mean, JJ Watt's still better, at least right now, but um, all time, at least. But, yeah, um, that's definitely an interesting conversation that could be had in the future if, you know, he wins potentially. And I do like that pick a lot. Definitely a safer pick, but I do like that pick. Um, next, let's go to offensive rookie of the year. And again, it's the theme. I'm going to start this time. And it's really tough this year because Kenny Pickett, we don't know how many games he's going to start. I'm just assuming that he's going to come sometime midseason and be pretty good. And I don't think that's enough for him to win offensive rookie of the year. At the same time, there's some good receivers, but I don't love their situations. And so to me, I kind of went in on the running back position and there's one guy who I just really like. I think he's a difference maker. I think he's going to be a superstar once he gets the opportunity and it might be tough because he's a little hurt, but I don't think that's going to stop him from winning this award. I mean, he'll be back week one, week two, probably he'll be ready, healthy. And that's Kenneth Walker. (laughs) That's Kenneth Walker. Kenneth Walker is, was my favorite running back coming out of the draft. I know Brees Hall was the consensus overall number one, but Kenneth Walker was my favorite. And I think going to Seattle, a team that has rushed for close to 200 yards per game, maybe not 200, but like high 170s, 80s, they, every game they, they try to do that, even when they had a great passing attack with Russell Wilson. And now they don't have Russell Wilson. So Rashad Penny and Kenneth Walker are going to be running the ball a lot. And I think Walker is just the better back. So when he gets the opportunity, I expect superstar numbers out of him. And I think he is the clear front runner for offensive rookie of the year. Wow. Yeah, no, I, I definitely did not see that one coming. We really? talking about running backs, difference maker. I was like, oh, 
Damian Pierce because he's my you know, second. He's, he's been making noise in the preseason. He's mm-hmm. also my second. But I was looking at, you know, the odds for this. That I, I based a little bit of these picks off the odds, and I'm looking at who's, you know, like in the conversation. Mm-hmm. And I'm looking at these guys above my pick, and I'm like, I'm thinking mathematically for this award. Who's okay. going to get the opportunity as a rookie to impress and, you know, get a lot of volume for the chance to win this award? And I'm seeing a few of these names. I'm seeing Kenny Pickett probably won't start the whole year. Yep. Drake London, sure, but he has Marcus Mariota throwing him the ball. Uh, and Kyle Pitts ahead of him. Chris Olave, Michael Thomas. Brees Hall will split carries. Traylon Burks has Robert Woods. Pickens, no. Sky Moore, other guys. Like, a lot of these receivers, I feel like they're, you can name multiple reasons why they won't get the opportunity. And I did pick a receiver, and it's probably not the guy you would think I'd pick because, I, like I was telling you before we started this, it goes against my entire philosophy of the NFL because not only does this guy go to come from a school I don't like, not only does he play for a team I don't like, but he has the quarterback that I don't like either. So to me, I feel like a sneaky pick for rookie of the year this year offensively is Jahan Dotson of the Washington now commanders. And as I was saying, it goes against what I say. It goes against what I preach. I don't like Carson Wentz. I don't think he's very good at all, but conceivably he's the number two receiver in their offense again behind McLaurin who McLaurin's not really a huge volume guy. He's going to make his, you know, like a lot of his money off the, the chunk plays like mid to long range. Uh, he's not like a 10 catch a game type of guy. He's more like a, a six to seven for, you know, 90, hundred yards or whatever. So Dotson should be getting a really nice amount of volume. They don't have like a star tight end. Their their running backs are going to be splitting carries. Brian Robinson is a decent pick because he'll be the starter, but I still think Gibson is going to have a little bit of a role to where he's going to, you know, um, sap some of the carries from Robinson. And like I said, a lot of the guys that are ahead of Dotson, at least from the receiver position, have all kinds of roadblocks, roadblocks where whether it's multiple receivers ahead of them, you know, maybe a quarterback isn't so good, which that's what I said with Wentz, but Wentz does like to throw it deep. And Dotson is the exact type of receiver who you throw it deep to. He's got short hands, good route running, and he's extremely fast. So I think that that has to be my pick when you consider everyone else who's in contention. I don't hate the pick because Dotson has looked great in camp. The one thing, the reason why I ruled him out pretty much immediately is when spreads the ball around. That's, I think, going to be an issue production-wise at least. I think Dotson will be phenomenal his rookie year. He might even go over 1,000 yards, may could have double-digit touchdowns depending on how good Washington's offense is. But I just don't think he'll get quite the volume he needs to beat out some other guys. So. Oh, hold on. I would like to add, if Michael Thomas does not play, like, if he gets some kind of injury, Olave is running away with this. Could. Although Jarvis Landry is a five-time Pro Bowl receiver, so. No shot. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? You are lying to me. I'm not. And that's something I, I just wanted to sprinkle into one of these episodes, how how overrated Jarvis Landry is. Why He's good. He's good. But I don't know. I've Brandon Cooks has no Pro Bowls. <laughs> you mean, were kidding. Yeah, like. I mean, every year that Jarvis Landry was, like, okay or good, he, like, made the Pro Bowl. And he just got a lot of catches. He's not really a great receiver. But 
Um, that's besides the point. That's that's not part of this award prediction. So I just wanted to say that because it's an interesting fact. Um, anyway, defensive rookie of the year is a lot tougher for me because there's a lot of guys who are kind of questionable. I don't love Trayvon Walker. I don't love some of the later picks in the first round because I just feel like they're not going to get enough playing time. At least week one, I've looked at some of the depth charts and looked at how players have been utilized. So my pick came down to two guys and I'm going to go with the riskier pick here. I'm going to go with sauce Gardner. I know that secondary players and cornerbacks usually don't win big awards like this just because, you know, they're not, people don't find them as useful or they don't, you know, make as much of an impact in some cases as other defensive players like pass rushers. But I think Sauce Gardner is truly a lockdown corner. And he was drafted to be that guy. You know, last year in college, he was by far the best cornerback in college football. He didn't let anyone do anything, get catches. I think it's going to be similar to that. But I also think he's going to make some flashy plays, get some interceptions, maybe a pick six or something. And I think this is a weaker year defensively for rookies. I like Hutchinson. I like Thibodeau, but he's hurt. So that he was going to be my pick. But with his injury, he may not be ready week one. And I'm also not confident enough to just outright pick him after missing the first three weeks of the season. I think Sauce is going to have a great year. And I think it's very likely that he could be the, the winner of this award if he does what he should do in the, year, in the league next season. So see i'm pretty close to you thinking wise like the logic mm-hmm. i don't think hutchinson stands out enough like he, he's good but i don't know that he'll ever be like spectacular i think he's really good but at the same time i just i don't know i don't he think he just doesn't be... stand out to me that's fair uh thibodeau you said is hurt which mm-hmm. i you know i feel like if he misses enough time which he's missing what four to six weeks dated back another week yeah, so, so it'll he'll probably be back three, week two earliest, week. week four latest probably. Yeah, so I feel like maybe you know unless he comes back like really strong, then that kind of takes him out. He uh, could. I like him a lot, but other guys in contention are guys like Devin Lloyd, Jordan Davis, which you know, I don't know. I don't think they stand out to me either. Same. Jordan, da- Jordan Davis, like yes, I think he'll be very good at what he does, but he, he's not like rookie of the year type flashy and. No, nose tackles don't really win it, especially the non-pass rushing kind. Mm-hmm. So I'm back to you with secondary. I, I agree with you. Okay. And I'm not picking Kyle Hamilton. I'm picking a corner too, which probably will be a mistake. But in the last 10 years, two corners have won this award. And generally they're the, the flashy man coverage type of corners. It's not going to be a, a guy that stands out in zone by being locked down. It's the guy that gets a lot of interceptions and, you know, maybe take some risk in man coverage where he can recover on and get the interception. So with that being said, my pick is going to be Kyrie Elam of the Bills. They drafted him to play on the boundary. He's, he's got your prototypical size at corner. He's big, he's fast, he's strong. And he definitely describes the, the type of corner that I just described. He is very good at man coverage. That's where, that's what his bread and butter is man coverage and he definitely does take some risks he's very physical and flashy so he may get penalized a lot but if he can figure that out then I think he'll be able to get enough interceptions and play good enough coverage and win the hearts of the voters and win that defensive rookie of the year in a year where nobody else really stands out I like the pick I I do get what you're saying logic wise how usually like shutdown corners don't win these awards 
Um, at the same time, though, I think people are starting to realize that shutdown corners are more important than some of the guys who could just make flashy, flashy ball hawk type of players. I mean, Trayvon Diggs. Exactly. And, you know, that conversation to like true NFL fans, the argument between Trayvon Diggs and AJ Terrell has been pretty significant, at least because two young corners, both from the same draft class and they're both playing great football, but in different ways. And I think Terrell is the more valuable player. So um, we'll see if how the NFL values that if sauce and Kyer Elam are both as good as we both think they will be, we'll see how the league and the voters value that. Um, but you do have a good point there. So I like how we both kind of argued both sides of that, uh, but we both think secondary is going to win. So that's pretty interesting. I, I like that. We both that. Um, I'm just underselling the pass rushers and one of them is going to win it, but that's no fun. So. That is no fun. I was so close to putting Hutchinson just to be safe, but I, I don't want it. I don't think he's going to be that great. And I do like Karloftis, but I don't know if he's going to get enough opportunity year one. Um, Chiefs, right? Yeah, Chiefs. He's been looking good, I think. I think he's been looking good. So Karloftis, name to look out for. George Karloftis is a very good player. Um, next award, comeback player of the year. This one – I thought about it for a while because there was a name that just wasn't in my mind. And then I, it just popped in and it should have been there from the start. It's Christian McCaffrey. He is the best running back in the league when he's fully healthy. I'm just saying that. And the issue is he's not fully healthy most of the time, at least the last two years, he hasn't been like at all fully healthy. And I'm kind of banking on him being healthy or healthier with this pick. I think he'll play at least 14 games. I have him on my fantasy team. So like, I, I really hope he does. I mean, that would be like a season-ending thing if, if he doesn't play all, at least like 14 games. But he's a guy who's going to give you at least like 120 total yards a game. He's probably going to give you a touchdown a game, and he's going to lead the entire Carolina offense every single game he plays. He's going to do everything. He'll probably have 1,000 yards receiving if he plays a full season. He'll probably have close to 1,500 yards rushing if he plays a full season. And – like, I mean, if he were to be fully healthy, I don't think there's any other guy who could really win this award if Christian McCaffrey is healthy, like I said. If not, then I could see a couple other guys winning it, but I'm not even going to talk about that scenario. I think McCaffrey's going to be healthy, and that's the end of the discussion for me. I feel like this is a lot of confirmation bias with you, with him being on your fantasy team. It might be, but... And the only reason I'm not going to call you out on that and say it's a negative thing is because I have a little bit of confirmation bias for my pick too. Okay. Um, you know, I definitely considered Barkley for this. Yeah. As, as I, I said, I think he's going to have a pretty good season. Mm -hmm. But to me, there, there's one big dark horse candidate that I feel like not a lot of people are giving credit to. And there's definitely good reason for that. I mean, the man hasn't played in two years, really. Mm. Which, again... You know, it's confirmation bias. I have Michael Thomas on my fantasy team, and I think that he's going to win comeback player of the year. I think he's going to have a big year. But I just, like, I see the concerns. He's he's maybe a little bit of a head case. Uh, like I said, he hasn't played in two years. But when you think about it, it's not like he had some big string of injuries where it he just kept almost coming back and then hurting himself again. And, you know, it was one injury. The guy hurt his ankle in the first few weeks of 2021. Yeah. No. Yes. No, 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 because 2021 was last year. 2020, he hurt his ankle in the first few weeks. And, 
you know, he, he tried to rehab it where it needed surgery. So he was out for the rest of that year because he needed surgery and he refused to get it. And that's just not how it's going to heal. So he couldn't keep playing through the pain. So eventually he caved and got the surgery. And then there were some more complications with it. And that led to him not playing at all last year. But this guy is still outrageously talented, despite all that. I think the injury is behind him. He's got a hamstring injury now in training camp, but I don't think that's anything to worry about. He's still going to play week one. And all, all the opportunities are there. The guy is still the number one receiver on his offense. Kamara is going to help him, if anything, if he plays the whole year, because the, the video might get leaked of Kamara's incident this offseason. So I don't know, but he's got not a lot of obstacles. Chris Olave is cool, but he's a number two to me long-term. He projects as a number two in the NFL. Jameis Winston likes to throw the ball. That's the fact of the matter. Whether it's to the other team or his own team, Jameis Winston likes to throw the ball. So I think that this guy who's a little over two years removed from having 1,800 yards and winning offensive player of the year and setting the NFL reception single season record – I think not a lot of people are talking about him, and I don't think that's fair. I think it's more likely that Jarvis Landry gets a sixth Pro Bowl than <laughs> Michael Thomas being comeback player of the year. Although, actually, I don't think that's true, but I just wanted to say it. I think it's funny. Um, yeah, I, I, we both have very similar picks there. Two guys we both have faith in. And one thing I want to say for people listening is that we do probably have some confirmation bias, but we also drafted these players in fantasy thinking that they were going to be great like it was it was more so like I guess like tactical picks like I had the second overall pick and I took McCaffrey because I think he's going to be incredible next season if he's healthy and I I bet he will be and same with you and taking Michael Thomas in the middle of the draft and they're both two players who are extremely talented they both just need to stay healthy and the sky's the limit for them so I like both of those picks because I think they're probably the most realistic picks at least you know, it's probably going to be an offensive player because the league prefers offense. You know, Khalil Mack could win it if these guys aren't healthy, someone like that. But it's just far more likely that McCaffrey or Thomas or someone else who on the offensive side has been injured is going to win it. So, yeah, I definitely like that. Logic was good there. We're keeping up the logic. I like it a lot. And I'm going to stress this logic to the coach of the year. And this is something that if you listen to our last uh, episode, you will probably know. I think this team's going to be really good next year. That's the Minnesota Vikings and Kevin O'Connell as the coach. And the thing about that is that, you know, I could pick Brandon Staley. I think the Chargers are going to be great. I could pick Harbaugh because the Ravens are my one seed in the AFC. I could pick Sirianni because I have the Eagles as the third seed. But Kevin O'Connell is a new coach. I have the Vikings as the second seed in the NFC, which is kind of outrageous but even if they're not the second seed I have the Vikings being very good and they aren't a team that's had a lot of success though their last really successful season was 2019 and they got embarrassed in the playoffs against Jimmy Garoppolo who threw the ball like five times or seven times I mean yeah it it was just awful so uh, the Vikings are not a team that I think a lot of people have on their radar as being a great team And I think Kevin O'Connell can definitely provide fans with that experience of them being a great team. And normally, you know, this is kind of more of a sleeper pick, the coach who kind of surprises everyone. I think Kevin O'Connell is going to surprise everyone next season. So for all those reasons, I have him as my coach of the year. See, if I was in your position, I agree with your logic. 
you believe the Vikings are going to be a very good team this year where they weren't last year. And generally the, the coach of the year award is just code for most improved player like yes. in the NBA yeah. where it's a team that wasn't so good last year and is good now. Mm-hmm. And usually as a new coach uh, is the one that's going to win the coach of the year, but I don't think the Vikings are going to be that good. So I have the exact same logic, except in the other conference where I have the new Dolphins coach, Mike McDaniel, winning it. I think that was pretty easy to predict. If, yeah. if you I, I knew it before, you even for 30 seconds, um, I'm really high on the Dolphins this year. I was high on Tua entering his draft and I don't, I haven't given up hope yet. They've made all kinds of acquisitions on that offense. They got Tyree kill. They got Edmonds, Mostert and Sony Michelle as a new running back committee, complete overhaul of their running back position group. And Mike McDaniel is a coach that is a disciple of Kyle Shanahan and is going to run the heck out of the ball. Not to mention that you have Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddle as your outside receivers with a quarterback who I still believe in was a top five pick for a reason. So I think that that team is going to be greatly improved from last year, especially in a division like the AFC East where, yeah, you have Buffalo in it. But I think if you can split with Buffalo, then I think you can easily sweep the Patriots and Jets because I don't think either team is very good. So I've got Miami winning, you know, 10, 11, 12 games this year. 12 might be a stretch, but 10, 11 games. Um, And I think that puts them in a position to be coach of the year. Yeah, a lot of people are really high on Miami like today and yesterday because they watched the Eagles get beaten up by them in the preseason. Nothing. I know, but just 48 to 10 and, you know, that opening pass to Tyreek. I mean, yeah, it's a pretty big statement. It's a, it's I a, didn't even it's a, see this final score. Yeah, it, it was it was pretty rough, but it's preseason. Um, yeah, same thing. We both had the same logic for that pick, and I like it because we both think, you know, those teams, which are very different, but we both think both teams are going to be good, and these new coaches are going to lead their teams to victory. So, yeah, and the, with the Dolphins especially, I mean, their defense in a lot of games plays at like a top five level. They have a great secondary. So like, you know, if everything falls into place, which I definitely think it could, that's real a really good pick. Um, but I think things are going to be better for the Vikings as, you know, as you see by my pick, I think the Vikings going to be great. And Kevin O'Connell is the man. So he's my pick. I'm not changing it. And for the very last one, we're doing something for fantasy players. Um, I know a lot of you aren't into fantasy, but this is more so like, the player who's going to be the most productive offensively, who's going to put up the most touches, yards, touchdowns all together, and who's going to be, I guess, the best for fantasy players to target. And my player is pretty easy. I've already talked about Miss Christian McCaffrey. He is the best fantasy player of all time when he's healthy. I mean, you saw in 2019, he was literally averaging like 28 fantasy points per game, something crazy like that. He won me many championships that, that uh, year. And um, I have him as my comeback player of the year. I think it is likely if he stays healthy, he will also be an offensive player of the year and MVP conversation, especially if the Panthers are good. I doubt they'll be good, so I, I'm not putting them up there. But um, I just think it's, you know, it's the safe pick or not really a safe pick, but it's like a very logical pick to take CMC here. And there's no one else with as much upside as CMC to see that many touches, touchdowns, yards. So I have to go CMC. You're probably 100% right. And the logic is there. And I have personally throughout this entire episode thought very logically when it comes to these selections. And I did kind of continue with that, with this one. 
it's 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 some logic some vibes but to me it's going to be a running back unless there's some ridiculous season like cooper cup last year i think mm-hmm. fantasy player of the year is an official award that they give it's not really? like, it's not like presented at like you know the honor ceremony which i don't think they even do anymore but um like it is a thing that the nfl gives and okay. to me i i picked a little bit of a uh underdog here i went with lions running back deandre swift I think that he could be a McCaffrey light. Um, you see him putting up tons of numbers in garbage time because it's the Lions. They're not a very good team. Your quarterback is still Jared Goff, and DeAndre Swift is a fantastic pass catcher out of the backfield while also being a very good running back. And, yeah, there's a little bit of a threat with Jamal Williams, but I don't think that that's too much to overcome if you're DeAndre Swift. If he plays all the games, I don't see any reason why he shouldn't have every opportunity to be the fantasy player of the year whether he puts it all together and has this crazy season that i think he will and lives up to his potential potential you know that that remains to be seen but i think he will and i think he very well could win this fantasy player of the year award but this one's just for fun have you been watching hard knocks alex no No. (laughs) (laughs) i was gonna say i don't know if that pick was uh inspired by all the hard knocks videos that are coming out but you no, see Jamal I, Williams. I have, not seen it. have you seen his the, the heartfelt speech that Jamal Williams gave to the no, Lions? No, the only Jamal you, you Williams content that. I've seen is dudes giving him anime stuff and he trades I've, the, I've seen that too. And he yeah. trades that for like you know signed cleats or whatever. <laughs> yeah, it, it's a very uneven trade, but I love it. Um Jamal Williams is a great character, so it would upset me if he's totally phased out of the offense. But yeah, um, not a bad pick. Definitely watch Hard Knocks. You, Alex, and everyone listening, just check out Hard Knocks. I only watched a little bit of it, but it the Lions are such an entertaining team. I don't think they're going to be great next season, but they're definitely just an exciting team to watch and to root for. So that's one suggestion that hopefully you could take out of this episode. And another thing is to research Jarvis Landry because he is so overrated. Sorry, I don't know how this became a thing this episode, but no, that that five Pro Bowls thing is ridiculous. I yeah, I never like, I thought you were messing with me. No, I know because like it's so ridiculous that like I had to comment about it. I mean, Jarvis Landry's all right, but like, geez. Anyway, um, thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed. I think this might be shorter than most of our other episodes, but that's kind of the point. It's just supposed to be awards. We're just predicting what we think is going to happen, and we're probably going to get most of it wrong, but. That's the beauty of it. We had some logical and some fun picks and yeah, we're going to definitely going to be talking about this, you know, next year at the end of the season, if we do an episode about this, we're going to talk about if our picks worked or if they didn't. So that'll be fun to see in the future and definitely fun to monitor throughout the season. Uh, Thank you so much for listening. Hope you enjoyed. See you next time.